0: This episode of Truth's Table is brought to you by Social Justice for the Sensitive Soul. How to Change the World in Quiet Ways by author Dorcas Chang Chosen. Published by Broadleaf Books. Order now, everywhere books are sold. Sisters, how y'all feel? Brothers, y'all all all right? If this is your first time at Truth's Table, welcome to the table. And if you've been sitting at the table with us all these years, we are so grateful that you have been listening to us through these years and we are inviting you to partner with us and support our work at patreon.com slash truthstable. Now pull up a chair and have a seat at the table with us. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Truth's Table. It's the culture for grace and truth. I'm McKemini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, See How you doing, girl? You
1: know, it's, uh, I'm out here. It's day by day. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. It's warming up, so my hair is out.
1: <laughs> I know, listen, on, only the people who are making the decision to see the videos know what's happening. They'll know if I have on a bold lip or not, or they'll know what's happening with the Kim and these curls today. So don't y'all want to be in the know? Don't you want to be in the know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's warming up. So now, now the, hair, right. the hair comes out. The hair there comes out. There you go. There you go. Know, I got all types of rules and regiments for my hair. Ow, <laughs> wow. Wow.
1: See, I'm living in freedom over here. I don't want any of those rules.
0: It's a thing. It's a thing. I'm like, oh, winter months by. You know, so. I know.
1: I know. It's, it, it's lingering, though. I, I feel the breeze. The breeze is yet here, and I'm in the south, so it's still hanging
0: around. Yeah, so. it's warming mm-hmm. up for us. Thank God. I was like, yay. So, anyway, um, mm-hmm. but I'm glad to be at the table with you, my sister. You as um, well. You know, and and uh our brothers, who are now gathered at the table for the season, you know, they're very happy about <laughs> I that
1: i don't I don't know if I think they're seated at the table. I think that they are in the room. They're in the room, gentlemen.
0: <laughs> well they're, they're they're happy about it.
1: they happy there you go, it. and we are and we are happy that they are happy for good things.
0: <laughs> yes yes, yes, yes well i'm um I'm excited to uh, bring a dear friend and sister to the table because we are doing. Behind the book episode. Come on now, come on, break it down. It is on the book. Remember me now. Come on, remember now. Remember me now. A journey back to myself and a love letter to Black women. We are here for this. Here at table, Faith Brooks is here at the table. Welcome to the table, Faith. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having
2: me. I am doing
0: really good.
2: You know, today Mm. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little tired. Um, it feels like there's a lot going on in the world. So I, you know, I think I feel like, I think I feel that in my body as of late. Um, but you know what? I'm still hopeful. Well, I'm so so glad glad you're here.
0: And you're right. There is a whole lot going on in this, in the world. And I do think that it's, um, you know, providential really that you're at the table, um, at this time in the midst of, you know, just so much chaos, right. Um, going on, um, in the world because, uh, remember me now, you know, Mm -hmm. a journey back to myself, a love letter to black women. This book, from my understanding was written during a pretty chaotic period, um, in our nation's, um, history that was in a not so distant past, um, and a still very present reality. Can you talk to us faith? It's long. It's long been giving chaotic. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, long been giving chaos. You know. So, so Faith, can you talk to us about what it means to to um, what it meant for you to write "Remember Me Now"? Uh, at the time, can you set the context for when you wrote this book and uh, what it meant to write this th- this book at that time uh, for our sisters at the table and our brothers in yeah. the standing room section? You know. It's been a long three years. Yes. I don't know if
2: you all feel that way, but I feel like the past three years feel so long. So long. Like, So I wrote the book during the pandemic and um, I was inspired to write this book because of some of the things that I saw go on with Brianna Taylor and the way she was treated really the lack of treatment and respect she got, um, being murdered by police. And I thought to myself, you know, is this the way the country thinks of black women? Is this what they think of us that, you know, reading her, um, police report, it said that her injuries were none. And so I thought to myself, like none, she was murdered, you know? And so, It really got me thinking more about Black women and our stories and why it's important for us to be remembered and why we should be remembered now and not just when we're dead, not just when our lives are over. Why is it important for people to think about Black women and remember our stories? So. That's what inspired me to write it. But obviously, this is a very tumultuous time in our country, Um, politically, socially, economically. And so there was a lot of unrest. And I also think that there was a lot of... um, good things, good progress being made um, when it comes to justice and addressing those things. And then we also saw some right. negative things um, as a backlash of the things that you know we were seeing in, in the justice space. So it was a really interesting time to write a book, but also I felt very empowered to write it because I felt like it's time for our stories to be told and, um, and for us to be remembered. So I wanted to add a voice to the many black women who've gone before me
1: and written about our stories and why That's we're good. important. I love it. Love it. If we don't tell our story, who will, right? And so I, I do want to pause for a second because mm-hmm. I think that there's much that I'm aware of, of your story that I think makes you well-suited to share uh, with us, to share with the world through this book. And so I'm going to, I'm going to tap uh, a Kimini shoulder because I'd love for her to read a bit of your bio now. And then I'll get into the questions that are bubbling up on my mind.
0: Yes, yes, yes. So Faith Brooks is a writer, speaker, social worker, activist, and co-host of the Melanated Faith podcast, a fellow podcaster, y'all. As an activist, she engages with nonprofits to find sustainable solutions to systemic issues, in addition to acting as a strategist and consultant for brands and influencers. Her nonprofit work has included serving as director of programs and innovation for Be The Bridge and as Director of Women's Empowerment for Legacy Collective. Faith is passionate about leveraging her speaking and social media platforms to enliven collective liberation centered on the sisterhood of Black women.
1: We love it. And that's exactly what you do in this book. So um, when Brianna, when we became aware of when Brianna Taylor was killed and how she was killed, as I looked at her image, I immediately thought she looks just like my cousin. And I think there's something about her, uh, while we know that there are many who we are aware of and many who we are absolutely not even aware of who they are, um, who, have been, who have been taken t- from us too soon, right, through these uh, state-sanctioned means of violence. But I was drawn to her because of what she looked like. And I was curious, Faith, why were you drawn to Brianna's mm. story as a Black woman?
2: You know, I love that you asked me that question because I just felt like such a a kindredness to Brianna and her presence. I felt like, you know what, she was maybe like a year younger than me and um like you, she looks like people in my family and it just felt like that I I that could have been me. Like the seeing her and you know, once you learned more about her life and what her family shared about her dreams, her hope for the future, working in the medical field um, as a paramedic, EMT during the um, pandemic, and just her hopes, it was like she had so many dreams and things that she was trying to do in her life, just like all of us. And It was just so sad to see someone that you identify with, not only in like the Black experience, but someone you can kind of put that face and that name to someone close to you. And it's like, wait a minute, like this feels Mm -hmm. like too close to home. And I think Brianna's story felt like that for many of us. It just felt really close to home. A lot of us felt like we had someone in our life that was like a Brianna, and therefore, it's it was even more. I to me, it was even more heartbreaking to see what
0: happened mm. to her. It was a tragedy, yeah, a tragedy of great proportions, you know. And I think um, not only in the way that her life was snuffed out, but I think in the ways um, in which um, our lives and our personhood um, can be stripped from us and taken away from us, chipped away at. Bit by bit, um, through the various spaces that we find ourselves in, whether professionally, uh, maybe even romantically, um, interpersonally, uh, you name it, whatever, um, even spiritually, right? Depending on you know our church context or our um, our uh, faith tradition, right? Um, you know, I'm curious, Faith, if you can talk to us about um, what 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 was it that required you um, to find or to go on a journey back to yourself. How did you lose yourself? Uh, Yeah. How did you lose yourself? What caused that? What was the the uh, the tipping point or the 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 point you know where you feel like I've lost myself and I gotta come back to myself mm, I think there is like a few different aspects one I uh, talk more
2: about this in the book but I was homeschooled and um, all throughout high school which was pretty rare for Black folks at the time more Black people nowadays. Find themselves homeschooling than back then, um, and so therefore, a lot of the spaces where you could find other homeschoolers were very um, predominantly white mm-hmm. evangelical conservative spaces. And so, I spent a lot of time in those uh, in those spaces, as well as in black church spaces. But because I spent so many formative years. Um, Around all of that, I went to an evangelical Christian university and all of those things kind of like compounded. And there's a lot of subliminal ways that um, in a lot of those evangelical spaces where your blackness needs to be suppressed. And I say needs, it's just, it's the way um, in which people make snide comments um, or, Things about the Black community where you have this understanding and knowledge that who you are and who you show up as as a Black person, um, isn't necessarily like applauded and praised. But if you can assimilate well, if you can, um, kind of like go along to get along, then, you know, you're not going to meet much resistance. And so I spent a lot of time assimilating, trying not to rock the boat, but the more I, found myself talking about things when it came to justice and race and racism, Um, a larger chasm was created between me and that community, me and those friends or the people that I knew at the time. And I would say that was kind of like a beginning, like a tipping point of the journey. But then the other side of feeling like I had lost myself kind of came into play with like my career. So I spent so much time working and serving and like doing all of these things. And because I was single throughout my twenties, I had, um, a lot of time that I just poured into my career. And so I, um, found a lot of my identity there. I found a lot of safety within spending all my time doing, you know, whatever it was, whether I was traveling for work or just doing good work, it felt good to me. Um, and so because of all of those different aspects, I felt like it kind of came to a head for me in 2020 after I experienced a lot of trauma and sexual assault and I had to find myself saying, okay, let me let me evaluate my life. Like, what do I want? What does it look like to come back home to myself? And so I had spent most of my 20s kind of re... I'm trying to find the right word for this, but essentially letting go of a lot of the things that I had either learned um, or didn't agree with when it came to um, aspects of faith and those things – and just something that I just did not agree with that you were taught in a lot of evangelical spaces. And um, I had essentially started to like rebuild my friend group throughout my 20s. And so I had found myself more and more coming home to my blackness um, during that time. But by the time I hit the end um, of my 20s and I was um, turned 30, and I was at this kind of crisis point, processing sexual assault, processing um, my own grief, and like my career and all these other things. I said, "Okay, I have to stop. I feel like I need to stop. I need to evaluate my life. I need to say, what do I, what do I want from it? What do I want my life to look like? What am I hopeful for?" And I knew I needed to make a decision to kind of shift and change course to finding myself. And finding myself meant not me in terms of my career, not me in terms of all these other things, just faith as the individual and nothing else. What do I mean to myself? What do I need? And that's what I took time to do. And that's the process I kind of walk through um, throughout the book and kind of sharing my story and
1: walking through all of that. Thank you for opening that door for us, Faith, and um, sharing so beautifully. There's a, There are so many ways that um, racial and cultural trauma and, and sexual trauma um, disorient us. I mean, just knock us off kilter. Just equilibrium is off in so many ways. Um, and as I think about uh, your disclosure and what you're willing to share about your own story, um, where did you pull the strength and the confidence and the trust, the risk to journey to yourself instead of hiding <laughs> somewhere else? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I I love that you said that because I really think my family is a big part of it. Um, my family really gave mm-hmm. me a lot of courage and um, strength to be brave and to say what I needed. And I knew that I had their support. I knew that I had their full support. And so it was a really tough decision to kind of journey through um, processing all of this trauma and writing a book and, like, you know, all these things, because a lot of those things are happening simultaneously. And so, um, I knew that I needed to be with people. I was by myself in my apartment in Atlanta, and um, I really loved my space and everything. Um, But I needed to be with people. I knew one of the key successes in me healing was going to be healing in community. And so my brother has two children, and I love being an auntie, and children just give me life. And I was going through a really bad breakup. I, um, was babysitting my little nephew all the time. He was just born and he just helped to heal my heart. It was just something about him. I, it wasn't even like he was babbling. I mean, he wasn't talking to me, <laughs> but it was just something about him that was so healing for me. So I called my brother and I said, I need to come live with you. And, and, um, I said, would that be okay? And he Mm -hmm. said, you, you already know it isn't, you know, you don't even have to really ask me. I I am, I am here for you, whatever you need. So, um, my husband and, uh, not my husband now I do have a husband, but my brother and his wife, um, Mm -hmm. graciously opened their home to me. And I spent that whole time writing, um, spending time with the kids, crying, processing, talking to my therapist, all these things. And when my family asked me, okay, you want to write your book? It's very vulnerable. Are you sure you want to write this and have it out into the world? I said, yes. And they said, do you know why? It's Mm going to be very important to know your why. And – um. I said, well, I feel like it's important for me to share my story because I don't think that there's very many people that I know of raised in the context I've been in and the spaces that I've been in um, where I've like seen a story that I could really relate to in this way. And um, I just really wanted to be able to share that. And so... That's why I did. And I felt like God gave me the strength and the bravery to do it. And so
0: it's been, yes. It's been wonderful. Yes, he has. Thank you so much for um, just even divulging that and sharing, you know, more of your own story and your journey um, and what it took, you know, for you to even write this book, uh, the f- family that stepped in and supported you. And-
1: Thank God for a family with open doors and open hearts. Yes. It's a, it's a gift. It is a gift. It, <laughs> it does not have gift. to be that way. It is a gift.
0: Absolutely. And it's a gift that not not everybody has, right? Mm-hmm. Not everybody has. So uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but don't go nowhere. Y'all make sure you go buy, first of all, buy Remember Me Now. Okay. <laughs> remember to during, remember me now. During the commercial break, <laughs> make sure you go and buy her book, Remember Me Now by Faith Brooks. And we will be right back after this commercial break. <laughs> We often assume social justice work is raised voices and raised fists. But what does social justice work look like for those of us who don't feel comfortable battling in the trenches? Sensitive souls, including the highly sensitive, empathetic, and introverted, have much to contribute to bringing about a more just and equitable world. Yet sustaining justice work for the sensitive can be particularly challenging, requiring a deep level of self-awareness, intentionality, and care. This must read is for all activists. Christianity Today named Social Justice for the Sensitive Soul new and noteworthy. And Publishers Weekly calls the book encouraging, practical and energizing. This must read is for all activists offering inspiring real life examples of highly sensitive world changers and practical pathways to serve and thrive as our authentic selves. Get your copy of Social Justice for the Sensitive Soul now, wherever books are sold. All right, y'all. We are back at the table with our good sister Faith Brooks, author of "Remember Me Now," a journey back to myself and a love letter to Black women. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm trying to debate on like, what do I want to ask you about? You know, but I would actually love to um, ask you about how in the midst of a a lot of the context of Breonna Taylor, the pandemic, and just, uh, we were, we were, we were in the valley of the shadow of death and we are to some degree in a lot of different ways, right? Because of um, what's going on in our society with mass shootings and everything. Um, I would love to hear from you how it is that you were able to infuse so much hope. Um, and, um, you know, forward, you know, just kind of forward movement within um, the book, Remember Me Now, particularly with the love letters, you know, to Black women. Can you talk about the hope that you've infused in the book and in relation to the love letters that you've written?
2: Yeah, I I love writing letters. I love writing people letters. I feel like it's, I don't know. I feel like I can express myself really well in a letter. I can curate it. I can just get all the words correct versus when I'm just speaking to somebody and then you gotta really think in the moment on your feet. And it's just not the same. So I just love writing people letters because I feel like it's something that's very thoughtful that I can give, like this gift of my attention and time. So I used to have a blog called Lyrics and Letters when I was younger, and um, I loved writing things about just life or whatever it might have been. So I was inspired in the book to write letters because I felt like it would help people to feel like we were a coffee together, just like sitting and talking. And I was sharing my story, but I also wanted to write something to the reader as well. And that's where the idea for the letters came from. And each letter was something that I wished or hoped somebody could either take away from something that I said or um, empower or encourage them in some way because I really do believe that pain mm. does not have to have the last word mm. in our life. And in the times when I was in like the deep depths of my hurt and in my pain and my sadness, I will just never forget, you know these words that my mom, said to me in the kitchen when she was moving away and um, leaving me to live in Atlanta by myself again. Right. And I was just oh. not excited excited about it. Um, she said, Faith, I want you to know that shame does not have any hold on you. You can move forward. And it was just this... I mean, I remember feeling so scared. I was so scared to feel it. I was like, I don't think I can carry on without you Mm. with me. Like, I need you with me to have the strength and capacity to move forward in my life. And Mm. she was like, you don't. You don't need that. I'm always going to be here with you. Maybe not physically, but you are going to press forward Mm. and you're going to be okay. Now I was so glad she knew yeah. I was going to be okay cuz I actually did not know in the moment that I would be okay. But um I remember her saying something to me like it's you know it's time like I just feel like it's time I feel like there's some mm. room that needs to be made in your life for somebody and I was like somebody who girl I'm a real single so um what do you know that I don't know cuz what right now all I, I hear is died. that you leave me Mom, so Mom, <laughs> And so she loved (laughs) me, I think in June and four months later I was introduced to my husband. So, uh, I, she, she knew something, she knew something that I, I did not know. And so, um, but she gave me so much courage and she gave me so much hope. And then I did end up getting introduced to my husband Via a matchmaker and um, dating someone and like finding that like
1: yeah.
2: that person that's just kind and gentle and caring and loving, especially yeah. after trauma. It's he was very um, he was just just what I needed. To be honest with you, he was. Patient and gentle, and very encouraging and empowering of me and of my story and of my voice. And I was surrounded by so much love. And I was just in a place in life where I was around my family and people that were encouraging me. And because of that, I was able to truly heal and flourish. And the other thing I will say is I intentionally made myself feel my feelings. I made myself feel the pain instead of stuffing it away, Mm -hmm. which is my tendency. And um, I just remember saying to myself, when the pain comes, when the sadness Mm -hmm. comes, Mm -hmm. feel it. Don't resist it. And I wanted to learn how Mm -hmm. to let pain flow through me and not stay in me. And so I felt like I wanted the book, the letters, everything in it to be infused with hope because we have all experienced some kind of hardship. And we all know some kind of pain and grief and I wanted people to also see that, you know what, these things might have mm-hmm. marked us in our lives, but there is still hope for us
1: going forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, there's so much that you just shared, Faith, and I am i think I'm stuck on the, the value of community demonstrated through your mother and her ability to see something beyond what you could see, which is really what we have to have. We have to have people in our community that have... Um, Better vision than us. That's right. Um, so when we, uh, for whatever reason it might be trauma, exhaustion, you name it, our vision is is compromised. They can mm-hmm. see beyond what we can see, and so she could see you, um, probably where you are now, <laughs> which is pretty amazing. Um, and let's talk about a little bit about where you are now, uh, where you are on the other side of this book, on this. Other side of this wedding, on this other side of where you are in this moment, um, the faith today. Looking back on the faith then, uh, who was in the throes of this book, uh, describe her today. Mm. The faith today,
2: you know the the beautiful thing is, and I feel like it is just kind of it's this gift from God is that everywhere around me, whenever I drive around my neighborhood and my city, I I am reminded of how much I healed. Because unbeknownst to me, when I moved to live with my brother, I ended up at a, a home that is literally two minutes away down the street. While my brother doesn't live there anymore, um, the place that I came and I wow. healed and I spent all this time like Walking around the neighborhood or crying here or there or just trying to find my footing. Um, I live in the same city. How do you have told me two years ago, hey, Faith, you're going to meet this guy via a matchmaker, you're going to get married, and then you're going to buy a house? you know, oh. in the neighborhood over from the home you went to with your brother and, and the home you felt like you had your healing journey on. I would have told you mm-hmm. that is crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what you're talking about. So, um, mm. it has been one of the most beautiful experiences mm-hmm. and seasons of my life. The person that I am now, the, where I am now in life is a very studying place. And, um, I feel, like I'm just at a very, I'm at a very joyous place in life. You know, I, you know, sometimes when you, you kind of have gone through a lot of hardship and you find yourself saying, Ooh, if I can just get to the other side, or if I can just, you know, see the other, you know, uh, like into the tunnel, I feel like I'm not only seeing it, but I'm through it, which I think has been very empowering and impactful for the season wow. of life I'm in now.
0: Wow. What a journey. What a journey, a beautiful uh, journey back to yourself. You know, I um, I had the honor and privilege of um, facilitating your book event last month, and I got to meet your amazing mother, and uh, <laughs> I was like, "Oh my goodness, I love her!" Instantly, you know. Um, and I, uh, one of the the chapters and excerpts within the book that really jumped out at me was just your description of. Your mother's faith. And so I would love to read um, a portion of uh, an excerpt, you know, of your book back to you and have you just unpack it and talk to us about what it meant to have, to have, what it means to have a mother like this in your life. Um, I am reading from chapter five God's motherly love. And I am reading from page 70. Okay. Yes, Lord, I would hear her whisper. Glory to God, she said, getting louder and more expressive. Thank you, Jesus, I would hear in a whisper again. I could hear her voice again, quivering through tears. I give you praise. Most mornings, I would wake up looking for my mom and follow the sound of her voice to her sacred space. I would just sit outside my mom's closet door and listen to her fervently pray, her words changing from audible to a whisper, sometimes in English and sometimes in the spirit, or as some say, a heavenly language, going back and forth. After a few minutes, I would open the door and see her tear-stained face as she talked to God. She was on her knees with her Bible highlighted and covered with tears. Her pen and prayer journal next to her on the floor and a blanket on her shoulders to keep her warm. An intercessor, my mom, would petition heaven on behalf of others some days for hours. Why are you crying, mommy? I would ask her. uh, I would ask her frequently. God is just loving on me and I'm receiving it. She would say with a reassuring smile. My mom talked about God like a dear friend. She told me her daily prayer time was essential so she could receive from God the grace that she needed that day and be the mother we needed. End quote. So faith, can you just talk to us about what it means to have a praying mother and waking up to the sounds of hearing your mom mm. praying and knowing that's how you're going to find your mama is by listening <laughs> to her talk to God. <laughs> um, it's amazing. I,
2: Every time I talk to people about my my childhood and and upbringing, I just I have so many fond memories and amazing memories because my mom was just such a she's just a sweet woman and she's so supportive. I mean this is the woman that came and supported me when I moved to Atlanta for a job and slept on the floor mm. for eight months. And um, I did offer her a bed before y'all come for me, Um, but she had some back pain. And so it was easier for her to sleep on the floor than on the um, bed at the time. And she has sacrificially loved and supported my brother and I through so many different things. And her faith has inspired me. And even helped ground me mm. when I had so many questions about my faith and beliefs, seeing the way people acted in the name of Jesus. Um, and I was like, "What is this? I don't, I don't recognize, you know, this type of character. And is this the way that we're really treating people? Mm. And saying that this is how God wants us to treat people?" But my mom was such a strong example and continues to be of faith and of how to care for people and to love your neighbor. And she just inspired me. And I felt so much love and love from God through her for me. And it's always going to mark me. It's always going to be something that I never forget. Her kindness, her gentleness, the way she's forgiving Um, and the way that she has just shown up for me and she's a friend. And I think one thing that I learned is seeing how important her friendship with the Lord is and how important that has been to the way she shows up in the world because she takes Mm -hmm. time to sit down and talk to God and connect with God. And she shows up so freely and so genuine and with such a heart for people and I love that. I'm like, oh, I want to be like that. I I love the way that you show up in the world. So,
1: yeah, writing this chapter was really Thank you special for sharing me. Her with us. Yeah. How, how did how did she receive that? I too have a testimony of a mother that I could find even probably today, praying on her knees somewhere in her home. And uh, Akimini's mother is just mm-hmm. a sweet, sweet woman. Um, and I think in some ways, when you have a parent, even if you have frustrations with the faith, but if you have a parent who resists hypocrisy. As much as you want to lean into bitterness and throw all the Christians away because they're all terrible, you're like, oh, I actually had a living example of someone who wasn't perfect, but repentant and kind and actually transforming by the power of the spirit. I mean, it's really easy to chuck everybody away. But then when you got to live in who just knows how to love, um, it, it it does uh, in some ways become a safeguard. And I'm so grateful for my, my mother. And hearing your hearing your story, they yeah. they sound like kindred sisters. All three, yes,
0: of, all three of, of our, our moms, moms
1: sound like kindred <laughs> sister Jenkins. They sound like yes. kindred sister yes. in many, many ways. Uh, so this book uh, that is really talking about remember me now, like now. And then for those of you, after you get the book ordered and you're going to read it, you're going to notice this lovely cover that has this woman who has all these flowers. And, you know, Kimmy and I have talked a lot about, you know, Give us our flowers while we yet live, so we can enjoy the fragrance that they give. Old school, y'all. Um, now we curious... talking about
0: building our own garden. Now we growing our own. Exactly. Flowers. Oh, now I'm like, just <laughs> grow
1: your own flowers if you have capacity. Grow your own garden. But, um, but, Faith, I am curious as you have written this book, which is a labor of love. It tells your story, and in that, it tells these other stories. But it's also a tribute, and it's also um, kind of a, a guide for for other Black women of their value and their the journey that we must take back to ourselves. What kind of flowers, what are some of the best flowers of appreciation that you have been given for this gift that you have given to others in this book?
2: Oh my goodness. No one's ever asked me that question before. Um, you know, I have friends that have messaged me and said, hey, I shared your book with a friend of mine, and then they'll uh, screenshot their friend's text after they've read the book, and they'll say, wow, wow, I felt so seen. Thank you for sending me this book, or thank you for recommending it to me, um, and then there was this point during the time on the launch team um, where we were gathering and reading the book, and some of the ladies it was one night when things just they were just it was a very really vulnerable conversation and one of the ladies said i just want to let you know the pain you experienced everything this it was not in vain and i was so touched by their words and their encouragement and the way they felt so seen and and loved and heard and valued. It was one of the most, like, it was, it was one of those moments where I just sat back and said, I did the right thing. Oh, yeah. uh, it was hard. Telling my story was hard, but I did the right thing. And I am so grateful for the women who have encouraged me and surrounded me and told me what these words have meant to them. It has made it all feel so, so worth it, The whether it's the long night's writing or the early mornings, um, times that I didn't feel like I had any more words to put down like, and you had to find more words. So it made it all worth it. And I would just say that, you know, anytime you feel like your story or things in your life are insignificant, it's really important to remember that our lives are interwoven and threaded together and things aren't insignificant and your story does matter your life does matter this is why you know we we need you we need people here you know if you feel like I don't know if if, if I want to be here anymore, or I don't know if there's a purpose for me in this life and it everything feels hard, or I'm going through a hard time. Find community, find people that love you, find people um, that can lift you up because your life does matter. And I feel like the flowers that people have given me is really just saying those things. And so I,
0: I'm I love deeply that. appreciative. Those words of affirmation in that even a word of knowledge, right? Saying that, you know, your pain what you've been through is not in vain, right? And um I'm so glad that I hope you get more and more of those flowers coming to you as the book, you know, continues to make its way out um into the world. You know, um Faith, I'm curious um about your if there's anything that you feel that you left out in this book that you wanted to include or You know, I wish I had a chapter on this, or I wish I had maybe unpacked this a little bit more. Is there anything that you feel like you left on the cutting room floor or forgot to maybe include in the book? (laughs) Um, You know what? This book, there
2: was so much editing. Y'all know about editing and the process and the stories and the different things. I think that there are so many different things I could have written about and wanted to write about. I felt like this book to me feels like mm. part one to yeah. many other parts um, of life that I could talk about. I could have, I could have written a lot more about <laughs> mental health and um all of those aspects and you yeah. know, mother-daughter relationships, my mom the evolution of our relationship, because um I definitely had a harder time relating to my mom um as a child. And um I could have written, you know, about what it looks like to grow your career and traveling and, you know, the other things that I had of interest. But I do feel like for this book, for this first stop, everything that I hoped could make it in, made it. And the rest of the words, kind of like the overflow, um, I feel like is for another book or other books um, that will come to kind of share more about those things.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, you know what, Faith? I mean, talk to us about what is next. This is your time to talk to our sisters at the table. And tell them how they can how they can follow your work, what you've got going up, keep up, you know, with what you've got going on and where they can buy your book. Remember me now?
2: <laughs> yes. So you can buy Remember Me Now wherever books are sold and you can find me on social media at Faith b, faithb f a i t t h b. I do my best to post, although I go through rhythms, y'all. So sometimes I'm posting all the time, and sometimes okay. I don't okay. want to post anything. Um, <laughs> it, just depends. it just depends on the mood. But you can find me there. You can find me on my website, faithbrooks.com. And also, what's coming up? I mean, I'm really in the phase. Where I'm ready to start writing my next book. So I'm, <laughs> I'm starting to marinate and think about what i want that to be and um working on that kind of beginning to work on that in the background just know that my hope and prayer is that remember me now is the first of many books to encourage and empower women and especially black women but i want to see us thrive i want to see us soar i want to see us living our best Beautiful life. And I love what you all were saying about just plant your own garden. That's right. Like, plant the garden, like, see it, watch it bloom and grow and love yourself and celebrate yourself. That's what I want to see for us. I want to see a lot of love and celebration and hope. And I hope to be a voice that. Um, helps to cultivate that and add to that conversation. So I would
0: say that's what's next Thank you so much for coming to the table, Faith. And of course, depositing some hope in the pockets of the sisters at the table. And I hope hope y'all sisters pick it up, pick up that hope. You know, she just put it down on the table, please. You know, and keep running (laughs) on. Keep running on. And put you it know. put
1: it put it in your pocket because you'll you'll need it because it's 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 rough out here. And I well, let me just extend some some flowers and roses to you now, Faith, mm-hmm. to thank you for writing this book that centers your story, but in doing that you hold up a mirror to the beauty of all yes. black women. Yes. And thank you for modeling um the hard but real and possible journey of healing for those who've experienced trauma. Um, that is a gift that you gave and you did not have to give that. I really, you know, I always tell people as that, you know, you don't, <laughs> we don't have to tell our stories. We really don't. People are like, you must tell your story. I'm like, actually, no, a part of agency is like, I'm going to keep this in my pocket. That's but funny. when people do, we have to give them their flowers because that story mm-hmm. wasn't only for your healing, but it is contagious. It's for our healing as well. So I wanted you to get those flowers. As we close out this time and those who are listening, why don't you make sure that today you give somebody their flowers, text message, call email, because I bet you there is a deficit of encouragement in their heart. We can never be encouraged enough. Exactly. Exactly. So send a card, uh, but definitely let's make sure we are about the business of giving flowers to others.
0: Yes. 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 Let's make that a, a a practice um, in our lives now. So we want to thank you for sitting at the table with us. Faith, thank you so much. Um, And of course, to our sisters at the table, we want to thank y'all for sitting at the table with us this week. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about this episode, Truth Tables Behind the Book, for Remember Me Now with Faith Brooks, using the hashtag Truth Table. Black women, we have a Black women's Facebook discipleship group, so now, all y'all got to do is follow our Truth Table fan page on Facebook. Make sure you answer all the entry questions to join our group today. Invite your friends too. make sure they answer the entry questions too. follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Truth Table or email us your thoughts about this episode at AskTruthTable at Gmail dot com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth Table has a Patreon account, so y'all can send your love offerings to patreon.com slash truce table, or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is paypal.me slash truce table. Truth Table's audio producer is Joshua Heath. Our video producer is Daryl Bradford, and Truth Table's executive producers and hosts are Akemini Uen and Christina Edmondson. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.